0: Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP and your all around hiring guru. And I get to have so much fun every week and bring you these fantastic guests to give you those tips and tricks to land your next job or to help build that better company culture. So today on the show, I'd like to welcome JD Gershbein, LinkedIn brand strategist and CEO of Alish Communications. JD is one of the world's first independent LinkedIn specialist. He was a key figure during the early years of LinkedIn and its ascent to as the social networking site for business today JD remains at the forefront of LinkedIn education and continues to support the goals of the businesses intent on tapping into the full potential of the medium and this has been a long time coming JD welcome to the show
1: Am I in the right place? Is this Casey? <laughs> Casey, are you there? Is this you?
0: It is. I know. It's kind of strange to see me with like hair and makeup and all that. Because normally you see me at the end of a long day, so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, thank you for having me. Uh, I guess that's uh, that's podcast guest protocol. The thank you for having me statement has, has made its appearance. So now we can get down to business and have some fun chatting.
0: I, and we are going to have a blast. I just, you know, you're sense of humor and character has just always just enthralled me. But before we get started, I like to start the podcast with letting our audience know how we got connected, because I believe networking, even more than LinkedIn, is the best way to find your job. So how did we get connected?
1: Well, we are a result of the pandemic, uh, as so many connections have been made uh, since March of 2020 to where we hear tape today here uh, on the 18th of August 2021, uh, we're 17 months into this thing. And you and I met early into it at another networking organization, a virtual meetup mm-hmm. uh, with a mutual colleague. And um I guess the rest, as they say, is history. We became BFFs, Uh, we we did the one-on-one Zoom, and we've always kind of been orbiting around each other, I think. And I think that's the value of of networking in in a virtual world is you start to see people often uh, at these regular meetups, you can gain a sense of familiarity with them. And before you know it, you're talking about guesting on each other's podcasts, uh, joint ventures, collaboration, all that great communal type conversation.
0: Well, and I just want to point out real quick, because, you know, Frank Agan gets a lot of love on this podcast from K
1: He does.
0: Yeah, because it's like all connections lead back to Frank, right?
1: <laughs> well, we'll add to that love.
0: To yeah, that. but I think it's so interesting that out of the networking hub, which is the virtual group that was born out of the pandemic by Frank Agin, um, you know, some really good business connections have come through that. Like, uh, you have a new podcast, right?
1: I do. I met the co-host of my podcast, uh, Sia Yassatornrat, at the event as well. So Sia and I, who's a, a Dallas native, uh, a, a neighbor of yours, uh, a country woman of yours, uh, she and I host a podcast called Two Deer in the Headlights. And I'm also getting ready to release a second podcast. So uh, to your point, Casey, uh, these virtual networking communities are a wellspring uh of possibility and potential when you're proactive and you follow through with them.
0: That is amazing. And you know, it's so interesting because yes, C is in my backyard. Now, where are you located again?
1: I'm in the great city of Chicago, Illinois. That's actually a suburb thereof.
0: And and so interesting, had it not been for the virtual meetup, you and I may never have met.
1: How could this have ever happened? That would have been a tragedy. And the other piece uh, to add to that would be that we're all global entities now. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter where you work because you can find strategic partners and alliances everywhere. And the business comes to you from all points of the globe. And I think that's the beauty. If you're in a service area, as I am, uh, as long as you know the time zones, you can pretty much do business with anybody.
0: Yeah, I have problems with time zones. I'm just going to go ahead and fess up. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, funny, and I just want to say this one last thing before we dig into the meat of the podcast, Mm -hmm. because I think, again, it's just neat. So, Sia, and I'm not going to – you did a great job pronouncing her last name, by the way. Um, I'm not going to try. But Sia, yes, she lives right down the road from me, right? Mm -hmm. Do you know how I met her?
1: I will after you tell me.
0: James Van Pruen from the networking hub introduced me to my very own neighbor who lives in Florida. James lives in Florida. Sia lives here. And he connected us. Isn't that crazy?
1: That's how it works.
0: Yeah. It's beautiful. So we're here today. We're going to talk about LinkedIn. That is your expertise. It has been from day one. Um, Mm -hmm. So I know a lot of our candidates that we have, you know, they have a LinkedIn profile, but they don't really optimize it. So What power does LinkedIn have today, and why should business professionals focus so much on their profiles?
1: Let's go back to that one word, optimize, because Mm. that's kind of a term that gets thrown out there a lot. What does it truly mean? Well, you optimize anything to make something better or as good as it possibly could be. So on the one hand, we're talking about making the profile as best as it can be, to make it readable, to make it interesting, to make it uh align with some kind of end game, whether it's to land new business or to land a new or a better job. And then there's optimizing the profile for search so that people can find you. So you increase your likelihood of intersecting with the right people. And for you, dear Casey, that obviously means candidates have to be able to find recruiters. Recruiters have to be able to find candidates. It's a beautiful thing when it happens. And it's a beautiful thing when service providers can find clients, when mentors can find mentees, when we can kind of build this community the right way. And that all roots through the linkedin profile you cannot achieve an outcome a goal uh, a vision on linkedin or uh, in business without a seamless weaving in and out of linkedin
0: i completely agree and just from a recruiter standpoint when i'm doing searches for candidates mm-hmm. if a candidate well number one if you don't have enough information on there because i'm searching by keywords um if you don't have enough information on your profile I can't find you, number one. Exactly,
1: And it, it has become your LinkedIn profile. And by your, I mean, everybody's LinkedIn profile has become the epicenter of their business universe. And it is your first point of reference when mm-hmm. people hear of you or, or catch wind of you or, or see you uh, on their screen at a networking event. Uh, that's where they're going first. And the goal of the profile, the overarching purpose is to create impressions that drive business and career growth and position yourself for a desired opportunity, period.
0: Absolutely. So to that end, I know that a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, it takes so much time, you know, but really to those who may be overwhelmed by creating a LinkedIn profile, what are the top three elements uh, to a well-designed LinkedIn profile every member should have?
1: Boy, and there certainly is enough out there on the LinkedIn profile. It's just a, an endless array of, of video tutorials on YouTube, and so many self-declaring experts coming out of the woodwork telling you how you should write the profile. And I, I should preface this by saying, Casey, that we're all works in progress, mm-hmm. but there, but there are best practices, and those have been shown to increase your your probability of a positive result. So I would boil it down to three. I'm, I'm glad you did as well. And, and the first is top loading the content. And by top loading, I mean really stack that top of the page, what we would call above the fold. And that means creating a visually and lexically interesting marquee. And that marquee is that top section of the profile that encompasses the headshot, the banner, Uh, and the professional headline. So you've got these uh, lexical and visual cues uh, with featured posts, actually, right below that area, that compartment, with eye-catching images. Uh, LinkedIn has become a very visual medium through the years, Mm -hmm. and we should take advantage of all it has to offer in that area. The second would be comfortable formatting. And I mean something that's easy on the eyes, where the brain doesn't have to think too hard. don't stack everything up in, in a huge paragraph, have paragraph breaks, uh, perhaps use bullet points. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the emojis that people are using. I think it's, it serves as a detriment. It's a little hokey in my opinion. Um, and capitalization, use capital letters to emphasize a point. LinkedIn doesn't give us much uh, opportunity to take, um, uh, to take advantage of, of fonts or bolds or italicized words. We have, only caps at our disposal. And the third, I would say, is consistency of narrative. So as we're writing this content, uh, there's two schools of thought, how we should present ourselves. Should we do it out of the first person, the I, me, my, or the third person, using third person pronouns? Um, That's another conversation, but if you're going to do first person, stick with first person. If you're gonna do third, stick with third. So there's this kind of uniformity throughout the profile. And those three, top-loading the content, make it visually enticing and interesting uh, in your use of language, comfortable formatting, make it easy on the brain and the eyes, and then this consistency of narrative where uh, people understand and the, and the verbiage flows.
0: Absolutely, and before we move to my next question, I kind of want to break that down a little bit because one of the things that I run into a problem with is you know sometimes when people change jobs, their title or their industry doesn't update up in their uh, headline. So I can't remember if that's something you have to do manually, or if that's something that automatically updates from your last, I don't think it automatically updates, but I would really encourage people to make sure that that information is correct at the top.
1: Absolutely, and and interesting and spot on. And uh, that is a razor sharp branding statement, mm-hmm. uh, that professional headline, which is a huge piece of my own uh, workshop and and training and development it's kind of like your your calling card at this point Mm -hmm. if people are going to read anything they're going to look at the professional headline and what have you got there for them
0: exactly and i think that's so important and another thing that i would caution people on as you're adding stuff to below the fold you know like your Mm -hmm. job timeline make sure that if you're actively applying to jobs that your resume and your linkedin match
1: couldn't have said it better myself.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the top part. What did you call that again?
1: Well, I call that the marquee. The marquee. It, it's okay. The topmost section of the profile that that is designed to make an impact upon uh, downloading.
0: Okay. So I'm curious. I've got a really curious question for you. So let's talk All about right. the photo for a second. Okay. Sure. So, what do you think? Number one makes a strong profile photo.
1: You know. So much has been written about the the profile photo, which we'll refer to as the headshot. And I I firmly believe it is the gateway to your personal brand. And for folks in business, it's a piece that should remain consistent and follow us all across the internet. If it's on our website, if it's on our social, uh, all the rest of our social media platforms, that photo is your statement. It's your identity. It's your marker. And on LinkedIn, it will either set you up for quality engagement or prove to be a stumbling block, uh, preventing others from engaging with you. And unfortunately we're a a species, we're quite superficial uh, Mm -hmm. as a species and we place a lot of emphasis on how people look. And you've heard the term best foot forward, so this would be your best virtual foot forward. And obviously it should be professional, photographers have really upped their game in the last several years. The optics have been better than they ever have been. And photographers now are in the personal brand conversation. They are brand strategists as well. They want to capture the essence of their subject as just as much as you, the subject, want to look as good as you possibly can. So when you've got that good chemistry and dynamic between you and the photographer, you produce a warm, welcoming professional expression, which I think is ideal for LinkedIn.
0: Well, and I love that you said that because I'm gonna tell you a little secret about recruiters. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is what everybody needs to know. Number one, yes, definitely invest in that professional headshot. I actually know of several places around Dallas where I'm at, and I'm sure there are in other cities as well, where these um, career transition or even career development workshops will offer free headshots. So Mm -hmm. keep an eye out for that if, for some reason, you can't afford to go get one right now. But if you can, that is the first and best investment that you can make in yourself is to get that professional headshot. Second- I'll add to that, Casey. uh,
1: For for gals out there, and I've spoken at numerous women's leadership conferences, and when I get to this topic, and I always hear a a few chuckles start to build in the audience, you don't want to attract unnecessary attention to yourself. So I would advise to uh, lay off the glam shots and keep it very professional. Yes. uh, We've seen a proliferation of some very provocative, overtly sexual shots on LinkedIn. And I know for a fact that uh, it drew the ire of many users. It's just not professional. And if you're applying for a job, especially a senior executive role, a leadership role, uh, it behooves you to to look professional, warm, welcoming, um, energized. Smiling. But, smiling. Smiling is important. Smiling in the right way, of course.
0: Yes, exactly. And I'm so glad you said that because that's the secret I was going to tell you. When <laughs> I am going through profiles on LinkedIn, and I'm going to give you an example of the worst one I ever saw first a candidate had posted or a person, sorry, had posted a profile pic in a bathing suit. How about that? I'm not calling that person. You know, so I was just like, okay. And selfies? No, sir. No, ma'am. No selfies. Would you agree? Agreed.
1: Agreed. (laughs) Uh, it, 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 It may be a quick fix or a placeholder, but again, the time is right to invest in professional photography and portraiture. Uh, it's, it, it's only going to help you.
0: Absolutely. It's almost just like even hiring a professional resume writer. It's only going to help you, right?
1: Or a, or a LinkedIn profile writer, Case.
0: There you go. Okay. So we talked about the headshot, but there's mm-hmm. also the banner. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the um, best practices when choosing a banner?
1: Great question. And you know, the banner image has really come on as a key visual element of the profile. And when thoughtfully planned, it can really drive the branding. Um, the best practice here is to make sure the image fits nicely into that tight rectangular compartment because it's going to compete with the headshot if it doesn't. So you want the, the banner image to be a nice continuation of flow left to right out of the circular headshot and into this rectangular area. LinkedIn does give you the ability to position uh, the banner vertically. You can't do it horizontally. So you have to move the, the image to where it captures the best interest, kind of keep it there. And what should it be? What should the subject matter be? Well, anything that makes an impact relative to the business or career goal Uh, Or, as I've been seeing a lot more of, something that is of personal importance to people. It Mm. need not have a business connotation. It could be uh, a sunset, a landscape, uh, a picture of an ocean. I I mean, it could be any number of things that are of importance to you. The role and the goal of the banner or the cover photo is to get you remembered so that Mm -hmm. people know they were on your profile. Example, my company is named Owlish Communications. I don't favor text in that area. I favor image. So I don't use my company logo. That would be redundant, I believe. I want to call attention to my, my brand in other ways. So I just put the face of an owl in that rectangular field so that when it comes up on the desktop, on the laptop, or on mobile, it's the same image. It's, it fits nicely into that rectangular area. The area of interest is very high in the left to left center of the banner, and it makes for a nice statement.
0: I love it. One of the um, things that our company does to kind of standardize it, because we are so visible on LinkedIn as recruiters, is mm-hmm. we have a standard banner that we can opt to use if we want to. Mm-hmm. That's you know got our company. It doesn't have really the company logo, but it's got VIP, and then it's got our background that we use. You know very theme-wise throughout everything that we do on our website and everything else. And I remember the question I wanted to ask you about the profile picture. All right. So now, if you're using the app, you have the option to add video to your headshot. How do you feel about that?
1: It's interesting. I haven't seen too many of them. I've seen a few. Um, I think the jury's still out on it Um, only because what I've seen, it's very brief. It draws attention right to that headshot but my eye is naturally drawn to the headshot Mm -hmm. and when you look at the way that humans process information on an internet page when that page downloads where are we going first you can even see it in your mind we are habitually drawn to that left that upper left quadrant so i'm looking at the headshot and then when the video launches it's it's a little jolting to be honest and then i have to wait for the few seconds to be up where i can go back and just look at the headshot Uh, i think it's interesting um i haven't seen anybody uh, botch it i I think the ones i have seen have been relatively good so i'll say that as more and more people do it if it becomes more commonplace uh, and expected on linkedin profile views then maybe i'll add one myself but right now you just get my photo (laughs) Uh, still it says nothing
0: it says it says everything. It's, I didn't animate it. Your personality just goes boom when you see your photo.
1: <laughs> no, stop
0: yourself. <laughs> I think I'm going to I think I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to be an early adopter. Okay. So, we'll see. I'll let you know how it goes and if I get more clicks and more okay. more attention. So, okay, so let's talk about the about section cuz you know, again, we're above the fold. This is where it's really important. What do we need sure. to tell people in that about section?
1: You know, as someone who's been around the recruiting space, I'm sorry, talent acquisition space, <laughs> I know you know a little something about reviewing profiles. And for so many years, up until I would say, I want to say spring of 2020, right? Or maybe a little earlier, maybe um, late 2019, LinkedIn changed that uh, section title from summary to about and there are a couple of reasons why they did it. So a lot of folks, as you well know, Casey, they just transplant the executive summary from their resume into the summary section of the LinkedIn profile. Not because they, they didn't have anything to say about themselves, but that's what they thought it was. They thought LinkedIn is the online resume, which by the way, it really isn't. So they would take verbatim that text from the summary section and put it right into that summary of the profile, thinking that they had achieve the goal for that section so when linkedin changed it to about it kind of merges and blends with this movement towards storytelling so now we're not just business people we're not just marketers or sellers we are storytellers we are stewards of our own story hence we have to find our narrative so that about section really does kind of hone in on who we are as human beings it it forces us to tell others about ourselves. So the role, as your question leads me to state, is that it is the make or break section of the profile. That's where we convey our professional value and extol the benefits of doing business with or hiring us. And it's where your story is concentrated. It's the point at which the visitor's eye and attention is drawn to after the information uptake at the top of the page. So that's what makes it so key, Casey, is that it's literally the first piece of information that people are really going to find out about the subject of the profile after they get past the topmost.
0: You know, and here's something that I'm guilty of, and I, and I, realized this the other day because I don't go to my own profile very often, right? Because when I change jobs, I'll go, you know, but I don't do okay. that very often. But I was a guest on a podcast the other day and they pulled my about section off LinkedIn and read it, and it was wrong. It was so wrong for what I'm doing today. And I was like, I've got to go fix that. So, yeah. um, th- maybe a good tip would be like, you know, every so often go read your about, me statement and make sure nothing's changed. It's same as like when you're updating your titles and your headline.
1: The call is for continuous updating and upgrading of the profile. Think of your LinkedIn profile as the exhibit you are curating about yourself. If there are things about your professional life that are obsolete or services you're no longer providing or skill sets that you feel you've kind of graduated from and you're into new areas uh, in your career development, this should be brought into the profile. This is where we curate the exhibit on ourselves, what we show people, what we telegraph to the outside world. This is where the, the core of learning on us is in that about section. And if you've moved past something, if you're no longer that person, we must be reinventing, we must be reevaluating, reassessing, and most importantly, reconfiguring that profile.
0: Okay, I will go do that this weekend. <laughs> because i still haven't done it even though that that happened um so right. note to myself this has been good um so what process did you go through to write your about section
1: well kind of a trick question casey as you know i'm in the field and i have a proprietary methodology for writing linkedin profiles and i feel i've matured in the craft as as linkedin has evolved i've paced myself with the medium. Um, I've gone through my process and I fleshed out my own value and pieces of my own psychological narrative that is aligned with what I'm trying to accomplish, the network or community I'm trying to build, the audience uh, that I'm trying to assemble for my podcasts and my content and, and the clients I wish to serve. So the current iteration of my profile is really a representative of my style. I, I went through, the, again, the, the same work, the, the same assessment that I put my clients through. And, and I ain't easy, I ain't for the faint of heart because <laughs> I, really, I really plumb the depths of my psyche to get what you see out on that page, uh, both for myself and my clients. So what you see there is a nice marriage between my past accomplishments, my present value, and my future vision. And the most important, the most overriding piece on on the about section is to be in touch with your client pain, not to be an overt sales pitch, but to have your content really say something to what you feel your ideal clients go through. Because by now we should know as business people, why our clients hire us and why, why candidates are looking to you to help them in their job search and. To do that, you have to understand their struggles and understand their goals and aspirations.
0: And I love what you said earlier when you were talking about the top three things and we kind of unpacked that, but you kind of almost addressed whether it should be in first person or third person. Do you have a preference there? Because I feel like I do.
1: I do, I'm, I'm a third person guy all the way. Really? Really fascinating what you find no, out about people I, I,
0: I really thought you would be a first-person guy.
1: I'm a third-person guy, and I'll tell you why. I've, I've worked on a lot of profiles of some very decorated executives and some senior business people and some high achievers in their field. And when they write about themselves in first person, I got to tell you, it sounds arrogant, and hmm. they come off as very pompous. And very full of themselves. And when you neutralize it out of the third person, it disarms the reader, the the visitor to your page. And you tend to think that you're a little bit more on level ground. There's an art to writing about yourself in first person. Um, But there's a real challenge in writing about yourself in third person. But third person is going to be much better salesmanship because you can now take that step away from yourself and and transmit your, your value in a way that, okay, it's not coming right from the source. If I were to say to you, Casey, I am a thought leader in personal branding. You would think, well, JD, we have a very inflated notion of ourselves, don't we? (laughs) But if I were to say to you, I am considered in many circles as a thought leader in personal branding. You see what I've done there? Mm -hmm. I've kind of just kind of taken it down. Or if I would have said something like, JD is considered a thought leader in the area of personal branding. If you were reading that about me. Now, granted, many people can't, don't, or won't write about themselves in the third person. It's a huge piece of my workshop. And once people do make that separation, if they can, they kind of see themselves as their clients or employers would see them. It makes it a little easier. I favor the third person.
0: I am so glad I asked that question because I had not really, I, I used to favor the first person.
1: <laughs> well, it's a great debate on LinkedIn and there are plenty of listeners, I'm sure, who are listening and going, JD, for real? You fa- you're you a third person guy?
0: But it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you defended the possession <laughs> very well. So um, so I, I'm going to think about that really. I may go back and redo mine, maybe. Out of all
1: the clients I've ever written LinkedIn profiles for, I did have one person. This was years ago. And he questioned it. In fact, I now have it on my service agreements where people have to understand the creative aspect of what I do and understand that I do write in the third person because I feel that brings out the stylistic elements and the storytelling much better. So it came back to him. He got his draft. He looked at me. We got on on the phone. He said, JD, I I, I mean, it's great, but I just need it in first person. I, I really am kind of uncomfortable with this in the third person and I said okay so what I did was I changed all of the third person pronouns to first person so I put in an I I put in his me I put in his my and he got it back and he said boy you're right I'm I'm a real tool in this thing I'm I'm arrogant I I, I sound like I can part the red sea here I you, you're right <laughs> I sound like a like a bloviating overachiever here so we put it back to third person and He's been uh, completely comfortable with it ever since.
0: I love it. I love it. So a little off topic, um, let's talk about hashtags for a second. I like to hashtag everything, Mm -hmm. but is there really value there? And is there like a set amount where it's too much or not enough?
1: I believe so. I hashtags are a borrow from the Twitter world, as we know, um, there are many people who are very averse to hashtags. They don't just, they don't like the symbol. It creates a dissonant effect in their brains or they they think it's too closely associated with Twitter or the Instagram world. Uh, But on LinkedIn, they're like little internal search engines and it gives us a little ability to control our content. And ideally uh, we can organize content um, on, on LinkedIn or any other social media platform. If you're developing thought leadership and you want to be present in certain areas where you know people are getting their content, hashtag content carries with it the potential for greater exposure, and an increased likelihood of intersecting with the people who want that content. So I hashtag. Um, believe the best practice has fallen into the three hashtags are enough type of philosophy. Uh, there are people who hashtag the heck out of their posts. I mean, 15, 20, It's like all blue. Hashtags. It's <laughs> like and and linkedin recognizes that as kind of gaining the system so they will basically kill you in their algorithm so Mm. i have heard um and from from these folks i take it as gospel three hashtags is plenty and i also recently heard and by recent i mean within the past say month of our taping that hashtags are best serving the post when they're at the end of the post grouped together as opposed to using hashtags uh, as a word in your post in your text of your post now I can't corroborate that or verify it but uh, I'm a three hashtag guy for a while I was going five or six and and realized that okay I'll listen to the uh, the people who understand coding and technology better than I do and went down to three so I I do three hashtags per post
0: that's that's really good to know and by accident, I've already been doing that. I I don't ever include hashtags in the middle of my post just because I think it's Mm -hmm. distracting, but I always put them down at the bottom, separated from the paragraph, you know, Mm -hmm. all together. As we should. That was an accident, but that's what I do.
1: (laughs) Hashtaggery at its finest.
0: (laughs) Okay. So I noticed that you have like hundreds of endorsements on LinkedIn for... Everything from, let's see, what did I have? Social media marketing, blogging, business development. How can endorsements help to optimize a candidate's LinkedIn? And how do you ask for them?
1: Well, to go there, we have to go where we've been. And that is a little concise history of the LinkedIn endorsement. And for our discussion, I I will lead into another area of testimonial, the LinkedIn written recommendation, because the, the, the two phases are related. When... LinkedIn introduced endorsements back on September 24th, 2012. And I'm not reading that. I'm sure you're very impressed with the fact that I've been, been able to recall that date. But I can't think of any other piece of LinkedIn that was met with more consternation and confusion than when the company introduced endorsements to its platform. Because at the time people thought this was a superficial or artificial valuation of themselves. And the way that LinkedIn was prompting you to endorse your connections was a little something out of the ordinary, never been seen before on LinkedIn, where they were asking you, beckoning you, imploring you to endorse your colleagues, clients, or fellow workers. And it was met with a lot of confusion and ambiguity and I my inbox blew up Casey I was fielding questions left and right what are endorsements should I be doing them uh, what's their importance is there any value to them and what we've learned uh, nine years later is that they do have implications in search and everything that LinkedIn does for the most part is set up to help recruiters find talent mm-hmm. you can hopefully attest to that so endorsements which remain uh, artificial uh, little validations of people's abilities now have had that second piece where you now have to uh, acknowledge the fact that you know this person possesses that skill or that commands that area of expertise. So there's a secondary step now in getting the endorsement on LinkedIn. But there was a while there where we were just accruing these ad nauseum and it became a bit of a popularity contest where people would just solicit endorsements uh, in return for endorsements. I mean, come on it's just a tally folks. But they do have implications in search and they will optimize uh, on the search engines internally on LinkedIn. Uh, The weighted value of the LinkedIn written recommendation I think carries more value because recruiters are spending a lot more time on profiles now, Casey, and they are taking the time to scroll down the belly of the page where the written recommendations are. Uh, I personally feel they should be moved up a little bit. I, I, I do envision, LinkedIn bringing written recommendations back into prominence. But endorsements are, are valid to the point where they do aid in search. They do give people a kind of a, a, a surmise of, of who you are in business and what you're capable of doing. But for a while there, I, I kind of let them go. They, they built, they accrued. I didn't do anything to really um, draw attention to them. They kind of populated naturally. I'm more concerned with written recommendations.
0: You know what? And I, and I agree with you there. I think written recommendations are huge Mm -hmm. and, but I think it's really interesting when you see someone that has received a lot of written recommendations, but not given any or as many. So I think that's a real fine line you have to walk or walk there is if you're going to ask for those recommendations, then you need to be willing to give them as well.
1: You are so right. And even in those instances where there's no recommendable basis, you can always give someone a character recommendation and that example you cited i'm very very close people have been very very kind to me through the years they've written me some lovely recommendations and i'm of that ilk where if i get one i'm going to give one and in many cases if i want one i'm going to give one first
0: Mm, yeah and
1: even though i may not have been a end user of the product or the service i'm going to write someone based on their honesty their integrity uh, their core values that I know they have, and why I think they would be a good fit for what they do. Um, I believe in I believe in lifting people's spirits, and I believe in the power of testimonials.
0: I think that's beautiful. I don't know if you're going to believe this or not, but we are almost out of time. Hard to believe <laughs> It has just flown by. So I want to get to our VIP questions because nobody gets out of here without answering those. Don't you hang up? <laughs>
1: Well, look, I take these questions very seriously.
0: <laughs> okay. So the, the next one I really love, it's probably my favorite question. I like all of them, but this one's my favorite one. Okay. What is one thing you do each morning to set your day up for success?
1: A couple of things, but, but the one thing that I do before anything else is right out of the shoot, I do exercise. And the particular exercise I really like are Russian twists. Do you know what the Russian twist is?
0: I have no idea. Are you going to show us?
1: Okay, so the Russian twist is pretend I'm, hol- I'm holding like a 30 pound dumbbell. I have, a, I have a full workout area in my home, in the basement, in the man cave. So the Russian twist is where you hold the weight up literally to your chest mm-hmm. and you're rotating side to side. And it really stretches you out after wow. a, a, a night of sleep. It, it really gets the circulation uh, pumping.
0: Uh, we'll and that. then I write,
1: and then I write. I'm, I'm probably going at about anywhere between one and 2,000 words of just writing. Sometimes just put up an empty Word doc and whatever my, whatever my mind is occupied with comes out on that Word doc and often it's business. Sometimes it's ideas, sometimes it's just something that needs escape.
0: I love that, I love mm-hmm. that. Um, those are great habits to be part of your morning ritual, of course. Okay, mm-hmm. so my final question, if your life's work was being summarized in a news article, what would the headline be?
1: We'll do this in headline form. Lifelong learner transforms himself and others through LinkedIn.
0: Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I love it. How do people find you? What if, I mean, I know there's going to be some people that are going to want to learn more about this course that you have.
1: Well, I, I'm gonna be doing all sorts of things uh, coming up as we move back into the virtual world come fall, winter, 2021, as we're taping this. Uh, boy, I'll tell you what what a disappointing turn of events regarding the pandemic, huh? Just when we thought there was light at the end of the tunnel. I know. And now it's going to be back into virtual learning. Um, but I'm, I'm always available, not just uh, a, as an educator and service provider, but just as a conversationalist. Um, I'm reachable on LinkedIn. You can find me under JD, no periods. And of course, my last name is in there too. I think LinkedIn requires the last name be in the last name field. And you can find me there. LinkedIn, you can connect with me on all social media platforms. And you can visit me at JDGershbein.com.
0: Awesome. Awesome. This has been an absolute blast. I know our fellow Hubsters are going to be so jealous <laughs> that we got to spend this time together. So, Are you
1: saying that because I'm here, Casey, or did you really have fun with me I
0: today? really had fun with you today.
1: All right. Don't sugarcoat anything. <laughs> I'll,
0: I'll, I'll tell Sia all about it when we go have lunch next week. So. There you go. <laughs> well, David- thank you
1: for having me. I'm I'm I have to say, after I've known you for these many months, and it's a pleasure to be here with you today. Uh, and I gotta believe we created some value because I know your commitment to what you do. I know you are a passionate talent acquisition specialist and derive a great deal of satisfaction uh from working with your clients and placing them in positions they love. So hopefully your clients got a lot of value out of today's talk.
0: I I know they did. I felt very certain. So, J.D., I just have one more thing to say to you. Okay. You are a VIP. Thank you. And that's a wrap for today. Join us next week here on the We Are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more, log on to wearevip.com.